Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Dugan. He is the co-founder and managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group, serving you in the Kansas City metro area, but also serving clients all across the country. You can find the team online by going to listentoscott.com, and that's where you can listen to past episodes of the podcast and subscribe. Listentoscott.com, your place to go. Scott Dugan, how are you, sir? I am fantastic, Walter. Great to be here. Glad to hear that. Now, as we're recording today's podcast, I understand you're looking out the window, watching it snow. I am very jealous. It is a winter wonderland today, <laughs> and it's supposed to get down into the teens this evening. Oh, my so gosh. It's a little bit of a shock to the system, let me tell you. We just got a cold rain here, so that's why I'm jealous. If it's going to be cold, let it be snow. If it's going to be cold, you know, skip the rain at that point. I totally agree. <laughs> well, I'll envy you from afar for today's program, but we've got lots of good stuff to talk about, so we are looking forward to today's show because it's a really important subject today. You know, we've spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about different parts of financial planning, different ways to view the markets and investing and how to plan and all these kinds of things. But we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about you as a planner, Scott, or anyone as a financial advisor, as a financial planner, and specifically the importance of how you go about choosing that person who's going to be giving you such important advice. And in so many industries, we spend a lot of time making sure that we are working with the right advice giver. When it comes to exercise, we want to find a personal trainer or a gym where they have folks there who are going to help us, you know, kind of show us the way, right? I mean, people follow blogs and information on fashion and all these things. We get advice from every corner of the earth these days. But how should we go about getting advice from our financial advisor and finding the right advice giver. And I think that's super important to talk about on today's show. And I'm excited to go through this. And this is actually a module in the full retirement planning class that we teach at local universities. And so I'm glad to talk about this today and help everyone listening, hopefully out there to make better decisions about their hard-earned dollars. So there's a couple of different layers to this conversation. How do you choose a financial professional? How do you find the right advice giver? But it seems like a great starting point is understanding that financial buzzword, fiduciary, and how it relates to suitability. Understanding those two things seem to be at the foundation or the core. Oh, absolutely. And and there's a lot of confusion out there of what those things really mean, fiduciary versus suitability. And the industry as a whole, it's just hard to distinguish who's who and what credentials people have. You know, there was a big fight not too long ago in the industry where the federal government wanted to establish what's called a fiduciary standard. And I guess it would be good if we establish what does fiduciary mean? It means that the professional that you're working with is giving you advice that's truly in your best interest. There's no conflicts of interest uh, when it comes to the information that they're giving you about your financial future and moves to make. So what the government was trying to do was establish a standard of care where all advisors, if they were at this point dealing with retirement funds like a 401k or IRA, had to give people information or advice that was truly in their best interest or the fiduciary standard. Well, Wall Street got behind this. They lobbied and that standard died. 
and it didn't go through. And some of the excuses for it not going through were it would be too expensive to do the right thing and disclose conflicts of interest to investors. Can you imagine that? It's just kind of strange. Yeah. So, so right now where we stand, this fiduciary versus suitability, there's over a million people that are licensed to give you financial advice or recommendations. And roughly 15 plus percent of those million people act in the with a fiduciary capacity. The rest fall under what's called the suitability standard. And the suitability standard, it's really a situation where products are offered for sale from a company or a group of companies that someone represents. And that broker is paid commissions calculated as a percentage of the amount of money invested into that product. And the standard suitability standard states that the guidance they provide and the products they recommend are suitable to your needs, objectives, and unique circumstances based primarily upon your financial objectives, current income level, and age. Those are the basis of that recommendation. And there's no required disclosure of possible conflicts of interest. It's just not required. And what does that mean? It means that the product that they're offering you may contain higher fees or compensation than another product in that same category. But in the suitability standard, they don't have to do comparisons. They can just provide what they're registered to provide. And as long as it fits those objectives, then they can offer that. So again, it doesn't make those people bad. You know, people that are fiduciaries, again, have to do that without conflicts. And I think one of the great examples that I've heard great stories to show you what the differences are is what we call the butcher versus the dietitian. Okay. okay. How's that for a lead in for you? Sounds like an Aesop fable, right? Yeah, it, it does. It does. <laughs> and so the story goes that let's say that you're going down to the butcher shop and we've got a local butcher shop here in Kansas City. It's called McGonagall's. And when you go in there and you talk to the guys behind the meat counter their whole objective is to get you to buy meat. So they'll say, what are you looking for? And say, hey, I'm going to have a barbecue and, you know, we have this many people I'm trying to think, you know, what should I have? And he goes, hey, you know what? You know, our pork chops right now, they are fantastic. You're inch and a half thick. You know, you brine those, you season them up, grill those up. Your people are going to love it because they're pushing the pork chops. All right. Now, the guy behind the butcher counter or woman, they don't have to take into consideration my cholesterol, my blood pressure, <laughs> all those things. Okay, Their objective is to sell meat. All right. And if you compare that to a dietitian, when you go in to see a dietitian, that dietitian is going to take time and she's going to ask you several questions. She's going to go through her diagnostic process to look at all your vitals, all your blood work, and she's going to come back to you and give you a recommended course of action that's based on all the lab work and all the history that you have. And she's going to give you a course of action to correct the issues and put you on the right track. Now, it doesn't matter if she's a vegan, she's a hardcore carnivore, she is going to say to you, hey, your cholesterol is a little high. You may want more leafy green vegetables. Probably should throw some salmon in there. And hey, you may want to lay off the pork chops. Okay, mm. But that is going to be their recommendation because that 
is what's going to be best for you to get you on track with your goals. Now, Jim at the butcher shop, he's not a bad guy. He's just there to sell meat no matter what. Okay, he doesn't have to take into consideration all those other things. And I think that, you know, the butcher analogy is more that suitability category where they're selling products and that dietitian is more the fiduciary, meaning they've got a standard of care. They've got to look at the whole picture and they've got to come back and give you recommendations that are in your best interest to get you where you need to go. And I think that's the best way to think about fiduciary versus suitability. It's a great way to break it down. And there's so many different ways you can kind of illustrate and tell that story. I tend to think of the babysitter analogy, and that's the, the parents leave the babysitter some money to get the kids some dinner before putting them down to bed. And the babysitter says, all right, well, what's the easiest thing for me to do? Well, I'm just going to go to McDonald's and get some Happy Meals because, hey, they'll be fed. They get the necessary calories and, you know, they'll have eaten dinner and they'll go to bed and it was inexpensive. It does the trick. But was it the best decision for them? Eh, probably not the best <laughs> choice. There were some other courses of action that could have been taken to provide a well-balanced meal. But, hey, it got the job done in some way, shape or form. But it was good for the short term, but maybe not best for their long term interests. Absolutely. And you made a great point earlier talking about personal training. And I myself go to a gentleman that has 30 plus years in the industry. He's got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in exercise physiology. And he is truly an expert. He has crafted this and he does a fantastic job of helping his clients feel better, move better, whatever their goals are. But he approaches it in a very scientific, very methodical way. He is not a bartender that also personal trains on the side. <laughs> Nothing against that. But when we are in the facility, watching how he is very structured, what he has his clients do versus people that aren't an expert, have not dedicated their lives to that craft, it is night and day of what's going on. So, yeah, it's always when you're talking about your retirement Really what you're talking about when you're making that transition to what we call the distribution phase or the income phase, you're trying to take 30 or 40 years worth of life savings and structure it in a way that it takes care of you and your loved ones for the rest of your life. And that's a serious endeavor. And you deserve more than just the pitch on the hottest mutual fund or hottest variable annuity of the day. You need a true plan of action of what you need that money to do for you. Look at all the areas that we need to focus on in retirement. And then and only then do we talk about where should we put the money. Where the money goes is should be driven by the plan of action we put in place. Now, we're not saying any of these folks who are just adhering to the suitability standard are bad people by any stretch of the imagination, but can you think of a reason, Scott, why somebody would work with someone who adhered to the suitability standard versus the fiduciary? I mean, is there any scenario why you wouldn't ask that question, are you a fiduciary, and if the answer is no, not just turn around and walk out the door at that point? Well, I think if you are in a situation where you're making all the planning decisions. Let's say you are your planner and you need to just add an investment component to the situation. Then maybe going out and having someone sell you a product to fit in the plan you put together. I could see where somebody may do that. 
But other than that, I think that if someone's just looking for investment advice and they aren't really into doing comparisons and having you know a process put in place to select investments, I just can't see that being the route to go. Now I'm biased because I'm under the fiduciary standard, but I've been that in that situation for a long time. I just made the conscious decision that we were going to have a license that legally made us put the client's best interest first. I didn't need the government to come in and tell me that. I just knew that we want to do the right thing by our clients. So the fiduciary standard made sense to follow that. Absolutely. Again, fiduciary versus suitability, really important part of the conversation as you try to choose how to pick a financial professional and how to choose the right advice giver. But the comparisons or the things to evaluate don't just stop there, Scott. I think there's another really important question that you should feel very comfortable asking a financial professional, and that would be, how do you get paid? And there's a reason behind why it's important to ask that question. You want to know what's in those motivations, what's in those potential biases, especially if it's somebody who's only operating in that suitability standard. They're not, as you mentioned, they don't have to disclose those possible conflicts of interest that might exist. But so that we're armed with some information, what should we be expecting those answers to look like? Or what are those different types of ways that advisors can be paid? Walter, there's three basic ways that financial professionals get paid today. Number one is what we call fee only. And this would be a scenario where advisors charge a flat hourly rate or an a la carte rate for their services. And so they may say, well, I charge by the hour, or if you want a financial plan together, they may charge a flat fee. Okay, so that's number one is fee only. Number two is fee-based, which is much more common. That's where an investment advisor charges a fee based on the set percentage of the client's asset being managed. And so it's what the advisor helps them with, and there's not any commissions paid to them. So in that scenario, when the client's portfolio does better, the advisor does better. If the client is not making progress, neither is the advisor is from a fee situation. And a third and final is what we call commission-based. And that's where financial professionals can receive a commission for selling financial services, selling financial services products, such as investments, real estate, insurance, mutual funds, variable annuities, or loans. So they're basically saying, like if you go to buy a house and the your house is $500,000. Well, there's a 6% fee that's going to the real estate agent or a $30,000 fee. You know, so in that situation, it's disclosed. You sign off on that. But when you're in the investment world and someone is you know, purchasing a variable annuity, for example, that doesn't have to be disclosed what that advisor is being compensated. You know, they could be making the same six or 7% compensation, but it's not disclosed to the actual client. Same thing with mutual funds and likewise. So again, number one, fee only, two, fee-based, three, commission-based. Those are the three ways that financial professionals get paid. And there's nothing wrong, just like asking an advisor, are you under the fiduciary standard or the suitability standard? You should also ask them, how do you get paid for your services? How are you going to be compensated for the advice that you're giving us? Since we're in that mode of asking questions, what are some other questions we might want to pose to a financial professional that we're thinking about working with? Obviously, we talked just about, are you a fiduciary? Uh, two, how do you get paid for your services? Three, what licenses, credentials, or other certifications do you have? Four, 
what services do you provide? You know, not all firms provide the same services. Uh, number five, what type of clients do you specialize in? Are you a generalist that works with all walks of life, all ages, all demographics? Or do you have a, someone that's focused on a certain time frame in retirement? Six, could I see a sample of the types of financial strategies you prepare for clients? So can you see a physical plan? Seven, very important, how much contact do you have with your clients? Eight, will you be working with only the advisor or is there a team approach that they're surrounded by? Nine, what's your approach to retirement planning? That's very important. And then finally, have you ever been publicly disciplined for any unlawful or unethical actions during your financial or professional career? That's a big one. So those are really great questions to ask. And that last one talking about publicly disciplined, here's a takeaway from this. As a fiduciary, if there are any disciplinary actions that have been taken against the advisor, that has to be given in writing to the prospective client prior to any type of relationship that they would have. Now compare that to the suitability standard. If there's been some sort of infraction or disciplinary actions, it will be posted on the FINRA or broker check website, and it's up to the client to search that out and verify. That doesn't have to be disclosed. And so I had a, I taught a class, this has been about three years ago, and a gentleman came to the class, came in to see us on our first visit, and he said, you know, when you talked about how to hire a professional financial advisor, he goes, it's interesting. He goes, I've been with a, an advisor for a while, and he left and went to another big firm across town. And he told me that he was just got tired of all the red tape of this current firm and, you know, pushing certain types of accounts. And he goes, I wanted to go over here to really become more independent. And so I took your questions and I took your places to go research. And he goes, what I found out is actually the advisor was let go for disciplinary reasons. And the ironic part is mm. he was doing some things that weren't in a client's best interest, actually several of his clients. He was fired by that firm and he got hired by another firm across town. Why? Because he was a really good salesman. And he was just stunned. He goes, you were right. Key, wor- like, key word there, right? Salesman. He was a good salesman. So this new firm said, hey, yeah, you have some disciplinary actions, but You've got a pretty good track record of of being persuasive and getting people to buy stuff, so they gave him a shot. And again, that's pretty rare. I haven't come across that very often, but you know, like Ronald Reagan said, we need to trust but verify. If you're thinking about turning over 40 years of hard work via your life savings, you probably want to take a little time to investigate, you know, their background and make sure that they're squeaky clean and don't have any issues. So there's lots of resources out there to really look into the background of an advisor. And a lot of those things will show you if there's any major red flags or, you know, just straight up cancellations. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire kind of situations might pop up there as well. And that can be very helpful as you're trying to narrow down who to work with. Oh, exactly. And when you are going to that process of checking out financial professionals, I think there's three really good resources that you want to look into. Number one is called FINRA Broker Check. And so it's F-I-N-R-A Broker Check. That's a free tool for consumers. You can research the professional backgrounds of current and former registered brokerage firms and brokers. So that's a great source. 
So that's more on the suitability side. The SEC advisor search. So it's advisorinfo.sec.gov. And that's to check out current and former SEC registered investment advisory firms and investment advisory representatives. So those are going to be your fiduciary folks. So two great resources. And then if someone is an insurance producer as well, you know, check out your State Department of Insurance website. They'll have all the data on that producer to make sure that they've got a good record behind them. I'll do that. So remember, some of the things you can do is you're trying to find the right advice giver, the right financial professional. Look for that fiduciary standard, not the suitability one. Be sure to ask them how they get paid. It's an okay question to ask, as well as all the other ones that Scott was lining out for you there. And don't forget to check out your financial professional online using that FINRA resource, the SEC advisor search, the State Department of Insurance websites, or the BBB, always a starting point as well as you're doing some of the background research. I would throw in one other thing here, Scott, and maybe this will be a good place to wrap things up to get your final thoughts on this, but I would also say look for a financial professional who is an educator, who really wants to inform you about the things that are going on inside of your portfolio. I totally agree. And a lot of what we do, obviously, we build financial plans, but it's really about answering questions that people have in their mind or concerns. Because a lot of people are laying awake at night saying, you know, is everything going to be okay? Mm -hmm. You know, what do I have to do so I can retire confidently? Have I considered everything I need to consider about retirement? Or what do I not know that I need to know? Those are the questions that most people have running through their minds. Problem is they've never sat down with anybody that's helped them discover those things, articulate those things. But more importantly, put a plan together that addresses those issues and lets you transition to retirement spending confidently and knowing that your money is going to last as long as you do. I think that's what people want. And as a professional, our job is to educate folks about truly what to focus on, what's around the corner as far as you know, what do they have to look forward to in retirement, and more importantly, make sure that they make decisions that are based on facts and logic, not emotions, myths, misunderstandings. We've got to get down to what's real, and it's all about making good decisions to make sure your financial future is solid. Yeah, super important. And bottom line is looking for somebody who can give you that objective opinion. Because when you get that, that's a valuable opinion, right? Absolutely. You need someone that, look, if somebody comes in and we go through our evaluation process and everything looks good, we're going to tell you you're in good shape. But on the flip side, we also have to have the agreement that if things aren't good, we've got to be candid with each other and let you know, here's what we found out. Here are the issues that we see from a planning perspective, and we have to agree upon those are the issues. More importantly, agree on how to fix those things. So again, if all things are great, fantastic, then go on your way. But if things are out of whack and need to be tweaked, then let's work together to get those squared away. 
And for our listeners today to help you on that, your journey of trying to find the right financial professional for you, we've got a fantastic white paper we put together. It's called The Value of an Objective Opinion. It is chock full of data about how to choose the right financial professional and just some of the obstacles you face going into retirement. So this will be linked to the show notes when you log on. So just click that and feel free to download that and use that as a guide to help you on your financial journey. Again, you can just go to listen to scott.com if you would like to access that or look in the description of today's episode. Just go to listen to scott.com or click in the description of today's episode and you'll be able to see the link to that great guide that I think will be very helpful. Again, this is the value of an objective opinion, why objective financial advice is so important. You can get this free guide right now. Scott, thanks so much for your help on the program today. I know it's uh, you know really important subject to cover finding the right advice giver, somebody that you can work well with, someone willing to give you a little bit of pushback where you need it, that objective advice where it's appropriate and to help you make the best decisions possible going forward. Unfortunately, I wish it was as easy as you just pick a name out of the phone book and every you can expect the same level of service from everywhere, but it doesn't quite work that way, does it? It is not. I encourage you to do your due diligence, trust but verify, and most importantly, follow your intuition, follow your gut, and that'll help you make the right decisions. Takes a little bit of effort, but it's totally worth it to make sure you get the best plan and the best planner to work with possible. If you'd like to get in touch with Scott directly, it's easy to do so. 913-393-4724. If you've got questions about what we've talked about today, again, he's the co-founder and managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group. 913-393-4724. And you can find him online at listentoscott.com as well. That's where you can also listen to past episodes of the podcast and where you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google, and also Stitcher and iHeartRadio and Spotify, all sorts of great places you can tune into us there and listen wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find your retirement elevated. And on that note, if you have a friend who has a need for great financial guidance and advice, needs to hear the message that we talked about on today's show, please share the podcast with them. Just copy the link of today's episode and send it to them so that they can listen and be a part of the conversation. All right, for Scott Dugan, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.